This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can have what it says I can have. Today, I'm ready to receive the incorruptible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. Come, Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. Come, Holy Spirit, have your way in my life. I'll never be the same. Come on. Never, In Jesus' name, amen. Now, come on, your best shout ever. Reading this morning for John 15, 1 through 17 from NLT. I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that does not produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me, and I in them, will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master does not confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the Father told me. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command, love each other. Come on, give God a better hand shout than that. You may be seated. Thank you so much for being here again. It's just an honor to have you. Um, and do me a favor, Ryan, would you just stand with me if you will? Would everybody stretch their hands to Ryan? Tomorrow, he bravely goes where no man has gone before to take over 40 students to Panama City Beach for the week. So, yes. So, uh, so Ryan, thank you so much. We're excited. I'm excited to go with you, so thank you for inviting me to go and, and manage the problem. So, 
I'm honored. Stretch your hands to them. We're going to have a good time this week. And we just ask that you would continue. All of our junior high, high school students are headed out for camp. And we're blessed to do so. So, Father, in Jesus' name, for Ryan and his team, for all the B students, Father, as they travel tomorrow, I think if they travel in divine safety, they will have no vehicle problems, uh, drivers on the road who aren't paying attention, no problem, because you will encamp round about every student. They will live in perfect health. They'll have a perfect time. The joy of the Lord will be theirs. They'll not get sick. They'll not get homesick. The Holy Spirit will touch them. Their minds will be renewed. Their bodies will be renewed. Their faith will be renewed. We'll send them back into the public schools and schools to be the light of the world and the salt of the earth. The strength of the Lord will be theirs. Great testimonies will happen because of it. There'll be deliverances and healings and salvations and freedom. And thank you, kids will be get set free from things that have bothered them, anxieties and fears. And they'll come home in perfect peace in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. Give God a hand. Thank you again, Ryan. He's worked very hard. We're excited to go. I'm excited to go. If you're with us for the first time today, uh, we're uh, continuing through a series. I guess it would be a series. I had the book of Galatians lined up for coming home, and I really felt in my heart, uh, just as God kind of refreshed my heart, to talk about what it means to be fruitful. If you were here last week, you noticed we read the same thing. Again, John chapter 15. So I do want to give you about a five-minute recap so that at least we're all on the same page. And I just want to stay on this topic until I feel like in my heart it's just good. Like it found good home. It found fruit in our lives. And I hope you were blessed last week. And I pray this week inspires you. We're going to dig it deep. So get a shovel. Get a Bible out. If you're a note taker, take good notes. I'm going to go as deep as I can go on a Sunday morning to challenge you to think outside the box maybe from what you've thought. But let's at least start here. I've got about three things I'm going to put up in slides. But John 15 verse 2, here's what we said last week, that God the Father has an expectation that you bear fruit. If you'll just look at verse 2, he says he cuts off every branch that doesn't bear fruit. And then if you go down to verse 15 and 16, Jesus said that I really have a desire you produce lasting fruit. I want you to produce lasting fruit. So what we decided, this was point one last week, that God, the Father, has an expectation on your life that you would produce much fruit. In other words, He's not expecting you to be a lazy Christian, to have no impact in life at all, but he has an expectation that you bear fruit. And he's counting it. He's looking upon it. The second thing is we decided last week, let's see what fruit isn't. And we went to the book of Revelation chapter 3 with the church at Laodicea. If you want to turn there, if you will. In Revelation chapter 3, we saw that Jesus has a definite, uh, different definition than we have as humans. When we talk about fruitfulness, we talk about, well, my life is good. I got a good job. I got a raise. I got a house. I have a car. My kids got in college. I got on the cheerleading team. I got on the football team. Uh, we look at things in a very natural way and consider that fruitful. But in Revelation chapter 15, the, I mean chapter 3, looking at the church at Laodicea, listen to what Jesus writes to them in verse 17. So this is Revelation chapter 3, verse 17, and this was our second point. 
that the fruit that we see as humans is drastically different from the fruit God is looking for. Here's the human fruit. You say, that's us humans, I'm rich. How many? Come on, somebody, shout that one down. I'm rich. I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. I won't belabor that point. We spent a lot of time on it last week. But this is the uh, big word, quintessential. Don't know if I can spell it, but it felt good. The quintessential definition of human fruitfulness. I work hard. I got a lot of money. I got a home. I got a car. My kids are happy. They went to college. My bills are paid. I have no credit card debt. But what we also know is we spend our years and often our best years chasing this. We lose our families over it. We, we don't have time for our children because I'm working 50, 60 hours a week for that longing moment when I can say the word retire. And I can have all of my bills paid and my house paid for and be debt free and get my gold watch and have some company that I sold my soul to take care of me until I die. Nothing wrong with that. I'm, I'm not against retirement. I think we all love it. I don't care if the government wants to take care of me through Medicare, Medicaid. I'm all for it. I can't wait to get my Social Security when I get old enough. I think it'll be $16 a month. I'm excited for that. <laughs> How many of you know Social Security is really going to... Oh, man, help me, brother. Uh, and so just so you know how powerful this I am rich, I was in the um, Zippy Mar. It's not a Zippy Mar. I, I'm used to calling it. It's a QT. And the guy in front of me was buying $300 worth of lotto tickets. And the brother was scratching like he had a skin irritation. I mean, like mosquitoes had bitten him for months. I mean, and he, I mean he's just $300. And I'm watching him going, bless his heart, man. He could have probably taken that $300, invested in some stock, and done better than nothing. Right? But that is the generation we live in. We're constantly chasing, I want to be rich. And here's the second thing we said, uh, was that Jesus has a far different expectation of fruit than we do. And that's where I want to take you on a journey today to try to define that fruit. You'll look at the screen. This was point two last week. What Jesus defines as fruit is different than what I define as fruit. Now go to the book of Genesis because we're just going to hang here all morning. So there won't be a lot of turning, but there'll be some reading and underlining. Because in Genesis chapter 1, this is where it gets really interesting is it the very first thing, and I was, I was even challenged by this myself in Genesis chapter 1. I was challenged by this in my own reading. I want you to look at verse 28. And I'm a big Genesis fan, but I just never connected the two together. So this is kind of where we landed the plane last week, and we're going to take back off here from this airport. And God blessed them, that's Adam and Eve, and God said, be fruitful and multiply. We're just gonna, if you'll just kind of leave this verse for a while because I want to make some comments because this is really the, the crux of what I want to talk about today. And here's where we want to go this morning. I want to do my best to define for you what kind of fruit is God looking for. Like, if we know it's different, then I want to know what he's looking for. Now, in this text, if you go back up to verse 27, we don't have to, but just in your reading, if you pop back up one verse, 
you will find out that this is mom and dad. This is Adam and Eve. This is the very first human beings and God made them in his image. So here's what I want you to know. Obviously, verse 27, there are no problems. There's no in-laws. There's no exes. There's no children problems. There's no governmental control issues. There's no Democrats versus Republican. There's no bad president in charge. There's no murder. There's no death. There's no sickness. There's no credit card debt. Come on, somebody. It would make you think, how much could go wrong? There's, what could go wrong? Who are you going to fight with? There's not even a reason to fight. You can't be mad at anything because you're brand new. As a matter of fact, what are you going to fight over? You have no history. You're, what I read here, you're, you're made as an adult. As a matter of fact, you don't even have any shameful years in your, in your teens to worry about. You just, you just hit adult without having any past. So I would like to at least say, have you ever just wondered, then what could go wrong? And then if it does go wrong, what will fix it? Because there's no YouTube, there's no preachers, there's no versions of the Bible, there's no praying in tongues, there's no worship sets, there's no elevation, there's no Bethel, there's no uh, you know, Mississippi Mass Choir, there's nothing to listen to to get you through. You can't get mad at Eve and put your playlist on and worship. There's no worship music. You can't get frustrated and sit down and read the Bible. There's no Bible to read. You can't go, gosh, I've just had a rough day. I think I'm just going to pray in tongues. There's no tongues yet. So if it does go bad, what do we fall back on? Because when it goes bad today, I am convinced we don't fall back on what God expects. We fall back on what religion has told us to fall on. So when life doesn't go, I fall back to my playlist of worship music. And I just listen to my worship music. But here's what we will know from that. If we literally took a test, we would find out that plenty of people have great worship playlists on their phone, but it's not fixing anything. It gets them over an emotional hump. I, I do that. I'm going to have a rough day listening to some worship. It gets you over the emotional hump, but it doesn't fix the problem. I am Pentecostal. I was raised old line Pentecostal. I am a tongue talker. I speak in tongues. It is a gift that the Father gives us from the Holy Spirit. It, it gives me power. It gives me strength. I, I can, my, my faith is so encouraged, but I know Tons of tongue talkers who pray in tongues all the time and they still have a world of problems. So what's the answer? Obviously there has to be an answer in this because there's no tongues, there's no worship, there's no Bible. And I'm, I'm for the Bible, right? Read it every day, zero excuse. Nothing to read here. Now verse 27 Go to 28. I'm sorry, I was on the wrong. Go to 28. So God blessed him and said, be fruitful. And here we're about to take the plane, so buckle. Here's where it's going to get fun. 
Is it possible that we could start defining what God thinks about fruitfulness with this verse? Having none of the stuff I just talked about. Now, this is what blew my mind last week, and it still just shocks me. The first thing, and I'll say it again because it was impactful for me last week. The first thing God ever said to a human was be fruitful. Not hello, welcome to my planet, hope you like the garden, here's a nude chick. Nothing. <laughs> Just be fruitful. Now that, that's inspiring that his first words to humans were to be fruitful. Now when I read it in this context, I naturally think me and Robin are going to have another kid. Right? Be fruitful. Have a child. Matter of fact, have multiples. And that's kind of the way we read it. Oh, he's talking about marriage. They're going to have Cain and Abel and multiply. And I'm not against that. That is part of fruitfulness. As we learned last week, every kind bears after its kind. Humans bear humans. There was the expectation that they would, would birth after themselves. But if I could define that fruitfulness, let's take the first word multiply. In other words, this is just my thinking, God never intended us to stagnate. He never intended me to just grow and then stop. Multiply means that I'm increasing all the time. Addition is we had four children. Multiplication is my child had a child who will have a child. And we added it up this week. If all my childs have a child's, there'll be like 60 of us on vacation. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah, I'm just going to sit back and let them serve people. <laughs> but addition is me and Robin having babies. Multiplication is my babies have babies who have babies. So there was an expectation of God that it would be multi-generational. So when God's talking about fruit, He's just not talking about your home, your cars. He's talking about the seed that will come after you. Chris, your children. David, your children. Matthew, Charity, your kids. He, he's thinking outside of you. And how many of us know in life, a lot of times to be fruitful is more really about me than you. I want to be fruitful. I want a car. I want a job. I want the house. And not realizing I'm living for my children's children's children. Like the seeds that Mark is planting is not just for she and I. It feels good when it hits me. There's just something great that when it hits my kids, I go, oh, man, my blessings are rolling on them. And then when the little grandbaby pops out, my blessings are rolling on grandbaby. That is the way God. So let me, let me just see how God thinks about fruitfulness. It's multi-generational. Your kids will reap from you. You want to leave them in a world of debt, problems, and great, but they will reap your problem. When you die and leave the planet, we have to clean you up. We have to pay your estates and your debts, and your, and then we, we put you in a box and try to say something nice. Now watch what God says. Fill the earth. We would think, okay, humans, we're going to have so many the earth is full. I think there's 7.3 billion now. We've done a good job there. But now he does something weird by giving us the word to govern. 
And this is where I really want to land today because I want to try to prove from Scripture that when God says fruitful, He's not looking at it in relationship to stuff. He's looking at in relationship to authority, to govern. So when God, Jesus says, be fruitful, Matthew, He is saying to you, it's time to govern your problems and reign over them. Now, how many of us would know if we, if we take that as fruitfulness, to govern it, to reign over it? Those are like the best way I can say it is to be in charge of it. That's about as baseline of definitions I could give you. I'm not a big Hebrew scholar, but that would be my scholarly thoughts on it. You are to be in charge of it. But how many of you know that even though you know Jesus, sometimes it takes over you? And that it can be family, that it can be a boss, that it can be life in general. But it tries to govern me. And when it tries to govern me, whatever your it is, man, I have to medicate it, scream at it, shout at it, cuss it, drink it away, whatever. Because that's how humans deal with it. Because God wanted me to govern the it and to reign over the it, Lucifer looks at it and says, oh, no, 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 no. Fruitfulness, Eva? No, no, no. It's going to govern you. The stuff will govern you. The anxieties will govern you. The frustrations will govern you. The pain will govern you. And so then I go back to, oh, God, the pain, the frustration. Let me put my headphones on and just sing it away. It won't work. It'll go for a while. I'm not saying it won't. But until you learn to govern it and not just, not just wish it away through a song, play the music so loud the thoughts go away. Anybody ever try to get yourself there to where you could quiet yourself and it would go away? I've even heard people say, if I can just stay busy, if I can stay busy enough, I can overcome this. Okay, great, but you can't do that forever, can you? But sometimes when you're really busy, you kind of forget the it. Until you get home and kick your shoes off and the dog comes over and you're like, oh, here's the it again. Oh, he chewed my shoes. I'm not trying to be funny with it, but I I don't want to try to string it out either. But at the same time, I want it to find home in you that when God says fruit, he's thinking about government. Government. I would throw this to you. In the American society, a lot of times our fruitfulness is put to the government. I want the government to take care of me. I want the government to pay for my school. The government to give me free lunches. The government to do. I want the government to govern me and then I'll just give them my taxes. So we do understand the power of governing the it's of my life. I want a bank to govern it. I can't afford it. I go to a bank. I loan the money. Now the bank owns me that owns the stuff. And though it's in my name, the bank's really governing it. Our system is just set up that way. But I would like you to know that even our government knows that, watch, he who governs owns the power. The one that's governing owns the power. If the bank is governing over your debt, they own the power. They can take your house away, your cars away. 
We're living in a pandemic now, they say, and the government has power. Stay home, lock yourself away, quarantine, whatever. I mean, the, he who controls the government controls the power. So here's the second thing I want to use the word rain. You cannot talk about fruit without talking about power. Fruitfulness and power will go hand in hand with each other. As I take you through the Bible over the next several weeks, we will land in the New Testament and we'll show this pattern coming out in Christ and in what He expects, but at least for today. Govern. Be in control. Be in charge. And whoever, watch, this is my phrase, whoever calls the shots is in charge. They hold the power. If you don't believe that, have children, go out on a date, leave the babysitter in charge. He who calls the shots is in charge. And you give them the government. Hey, put them to bed at this time. So is everybody good there before I go on? All right, now I want to show you what is God's government. Because this is fruitfulness. So if you're making notes, put fruitfulness equals God's government. Now here's where it really gets weird because today fruitfulness is not about God's government. It's about my emotions. My fruitfulness is based in I love Jesus. And I'm not opposed to fruitful emotions. But I want you to know when Jesus says, If you love me, you bear fruit. If you love me, you keep my commands. Jesus is thinking who's governing your life, not are you emotionally in love with me. And a lot of times we're like, oh, I want to bear fruit, meaning, Carmelo, I just love Jesus, but my life's a wreck in the government of God. Because I'm still in charge of me, but I love Jesus. So here's what I want to land on. You can't bear fruit God's way and still be in charge of yourself. And we try that, don't we? I mean, we really try to be in charge of ourselves. In other words, here's my fruit. I want to be in charge of me, call my own shots, do my own thing, but I want Jesus to be my boyfriend and walk with me because I love him so much. I want him to tolerate me. I want him to overlook all my problems because all humans have problems. Just me and Jesus, man, he's my side bro. He's my hookup. He's my boyfriend. He's my lover. We're in love. Me and Jesus. Oh, I just love, love Jesus. We got a Jesus tattoo. I love him. I love it. I got a Jesus shirt. I got my Jesus playlist. I even got a Jesus Bible that just is so simple for me to read. Good. Nothing wrong with any of that. But it's not fruitfulness that Jesus expects. Because as you're walking along with boyfriend Jesus, living your way, calling the shots, asking him to tolerate you, he's walking beside you going, uh, who's in charge? Where are you taking me? Wait a minute, what are you telling me to do? Look, Mark, I, Mark, I, look, dude, dude, bro, me and you, I'm not worried about if I love you or you love me. I loved you before you even knew me. I'm glad you love me back. I'm glad you're emotional. I'm not here for some emotional love fest with you. I came into your life to govern and be in charge. And we just don't like that. I don't like in charge Jesus. I like boyfriend Jesus. I don't like Jesus who uses terms like calling me his servant. 
I don't like the term master. That means he's in charge of me. Ugh. The word slave. Ugh. Take it out of the Bible. Don't like those words. I like Jesus being my slave. Jesus, get this for me. Fix that for me. Help me. Bless me. Get this. Ring, 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 ring. Ring, 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 ring. Jesus. Ring, ring, ring. Ring, ring, ring. Jesus. Got a headache. Please heal it. Ding, 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 ding. Jesus. Jesus. Kids acting up. Jesus. My bunion's hurting. Jesus. I need a new job. Ding, 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 ding. Jesus. Jesus. My boyfriend's mad at me. Bring me a new one. Ding, 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 ding. That Jesus. Everybody good with me? That's the Jesus that prevails in American theology. The ring the bell, I've, I've preached that before, so I won't belabor that thought, but that is the thought. And Jesus, not thinking that way. Jesus is like, get your hind end off the couch, put the bell down, we're going to war. That's the Jesus that is wanting you to govern. All right, so everybody's in Genesis. Go to Genesis chapter 2. So what I want to take you on the journey, and, and I, I probably won't finish it today, so we'll do it again. Verse 8 of Genesis 2. I want now to try to define God's government. All right, so... And we'll try to end today with at least going out of here going, okay, I know what the government of God is. All right? So we can kind of start this journey. Uh, verse 8. The Lord God planted a garden in the east, and there he placed the man he had made. Get ready. This is just brilliant the way God does this. The Lord God made all sorts of trees grow up from the ground, trees that were beautiful and that produced What? God says be fruitful and then puts me in a garden with a lot of fruit. Like God's really meaning this fruitful thing. Like there's sin. You're going to find out that the sin of all humanity was not another woman. It wasn't another, uh, another bro. It wasn't cheating. It wasn't tax evasion. It wasn't murder. Nope. First sin, weird though, the first sin of all humanity is going to be connected to a tree that produces fruit. Is that not mind-blowing to you? Like of murder, uh, death, I mean just all the sins that come out of this. The first, this is just redneck here, the first blooming sin of humanity was eating a piece of fruit. Not bacon, fruit. I can understand if it was bacon. Adam would have been the first to eat it. But it was fruit, so it had to be a woman's start first because bro's like, I don't need fruit, man. Bacon, I eat it, but that's off limits. Watch, just so you're trekking with me. In this production of delicious fruit, we will start defining the government of God. The government of God is not going to be defined by the Bible. That comes thousands of years later. The government of God is not going to be defined in the Ark of the Covenant. That will come thousands of years later. The, the government of God is not going to come in Ten Commandments. That comes later. The government of God is going to be defined in a tree that produces a piece of fruit. 
And God is going to say, I'm about to show you what my government is with a tree. And here's the trees. In the middle of the garden, he placed the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now these two trees are going to define the government of God. I don't have time to go too deep today, but for those of you that love to study your Bible, the trees of the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil are the entire rest of the Bible. Everything that comes in the Bible will come out of one of those trees. Everything, every murder, every sin, every abortion, every baby getting killed, every war will either come from the tree of life or the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. This is why Jesus comes, he comes and he is the tree of life. This is why I say you must eat of me. This is why in the book of Revelation, for those that have the crown, I will give the right to eat of the tree of life. This is a big deal to God. To you and I, it's vacation Bible school. To you and I, it's a little fig leaf over a naked man and a naked woman. To God, this is government. (laughs) I'm going to get screaming again. This is the government of God. If you get this, your life will go wonderful. We don't even have to get into the New Testament. We can land the plane right here and your life will be incredible. Because this is going to determine what is the government of God. Here's the government of God. Two trees. So if you're a note taker, God's government equals, he's in charge, his fruitfulness, who calls the shots. God's government, point two, is defined in two trees. And again, out of the tree of life will come the Bible, the words of God, the written commands, the thing we call our Bible. Well, prayer life will come out of that tree. Praying in the Spirit out of that tree. Everything good will come out of that tree of God. And then all the other nasty, garbage, terrible stuff comes out of the second one. But these two, is everybody there? Because I want to go on if you're not. These are the two things that will define his government. Let's keep reading. We're going to skip down a few. Verse 15. The Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend it and watch over it. Now, what's in the Garden of Eden? Two trees. And God says, I want to put you there to tend it and to watch it. Here's one more thing I want to say because this is kind of, it gets messed up in thinking. God did not, I mean, the tree of knowledge of good and evil is not an evil tree. It's a good tree. A lot of times we go, oh, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, bad tree, devil tree. It's not a devil tree. God made it. And everything God made was good. But the goodness of this fruit is something God wants you to stay away from. Listen to what he says. Verse 16, the Lord God warned him. So there's something about the government of God (laughs) that the way God defines it is, I'm warning you because I want you to know I'm in charge. Because the person that gives a warning is the person wielding the power. If you don't clean up your room, you're going to your bed. If you don't obey your mother, you're getting a spanking. So what God is going to show me by warning me is just so you know, these two trees, I made them. They're both really good trees because I made them. But I just want to warn you. One of the trees that I made is going to sting a bit. Here he goes. Listen. You may freely eat the what? 
Everybody's trekking. You can eat all the fruit of every tree in the garden. There's that multiplication. There's that produce much fruit. There's that I really want you to just get your belly full. <laughs> of every tree in the garden, except, here it comes. Now the moment we read the word except, I want you to just, man, all capitals, just put it out there. This defines the government of God. I... God, call the shots. Watch. Even though I put you here to govern and to call the shots, I just want you to know that I'm above you and I call the shots. I will give you a measure of calling the shots as long as you understand I call the shots. I will share my power with you. I will share my, my anointing with you. I will share my image with you. And you just call all the shots you want. Man, every tree that produces fruit, go for it. But just remember, so you just don't get too haughty, I'm still kind of calling the shot. Now here's what's weird. Except this tree. Say this with me. This tree is a good tree made by God. But he tells me to stay away from it. Don't eat it. Because if you eat its fruit, again, there's fruitfulness tied to governing. You die. A death sentence. One tree. We couldn't stay away from one tree. Everything we see going on, everybody killing each other in our country, we all hating on each other and throwing stuff, mad at each other, came because mom and dad had to eat a piece of fruit God told us to stay away from. Does that not blow your mind? This is the government of God. Stay away from it. If you eat it, you're going to die. This is government. Here is me. Well, why would I die? Now, do you mean I can't eat it? Like, why couldn't I eat it? I mean, I don't understand. It's delicious. It looks good. You Didn't you make it? And if you made it, wouldn't it therefore be good for me? And if you made it and it's good for me and it's delicious and it looks good and it smells good and it's just as good looking as all the other trees, I wonder why he wouldn't let us eat it. Do you know, Adam? I don't know, but he told us not to, so I don't think I would. Yeah, but think about it. Just so you know, that's how it went. That's what the Bible says. She's the one having that. I wonder why he wouldn't let us eat that. I mean, it's just as pretty as the others. I mean, smell that. Doesn't that smell just like everything else we've been eating? I mean, I'm tired of all these other ones. Well, honey, we can eat all of them. There's just so many varieties. I know, but I'm tired of those. I just... I wonder why, if he didn't want me to eat it, why'd he put it in the middle of the garden? It messes my whole garden up. If, if, I don't understand. If, it, if I'm supposed to leave it alone, why didn't he just put it outside the garden? I can't even go near it. Why does he do that to me? Because that's how we are. I want to love him. I want him to provide for me but I don't need him to tell me what to do. I want him to meet my needs, answer my prayers, and fix my problems, but don't mess my garden up. 
I want to put my trees where I want my trees to go. All right? So this whole thing of where we've taught kids, well, she ate a piece of fruit, and here we are. Because that just blows my mind, like, oh, God, all this from a bite of a piece of fruit. And we so crazy, we've turned it into an apple. A blooming apple. Well, she ate the apple. They didn't even call it an apple. But we have to figure out what kind of fruit was it. I bet it's an apple. Did God say it was an apple? No, but it was in vacation Bible school. They ate an apple. That's why a Macintosh has a half-bitten apple out because apple. They ate the apple. Macintosh computers are of the devil. Don't buy a Mac. They're of the devil. They even got the devil symbol, half-bitten apple off. I mean, that's how weird we are. We are so blooming. I've used that word like five times a day. It just feels good. I don't know. I got to get another word. Ah, that's what happens when you don't have notes. Ah, give me another word. But can you not imagine, like, uh, just... Can you see their brain? Why can't I eat it? I wish I could. I want to. Can't. Let's call it an apple. Here's what it was. So you understand. Go back to government. That's where we are. Government is he calls the shots. And here's the shot. The one tree I don't want you to eat is a tree that is defined by the word knowledge. Knowledge. And if you ever want to know who really is in charge of your life, just get to where you have a problem that you have no answer for. <laughs> because when you bump into a problem where you don't have an answer, you will find out real quick who's in charge. I'm going to talk to the bank. Why? Because we can't do it. I don't even want to do it, but the bank's probably got my answer. This alcohol has my answer. This shot has my answer. This medicine has my answer. This slamming and kicking things is my answer. Because as soon as we run out of knowledge, you will know who's in charge. Let me just show you how weirdly powerful it is today. Oh, mm, my back. Ow. Ooh. Ooh, my back went out. Ooh, bring me the computer, honey. Google WebMD. I got to know why my back's hurting. Yeah. All right, Google. It's, it's right here in my hip. Okay, honey. Well, first off, you're probably going to die of cancer. <laughs> You'd be dead in two weeks. According to this, you're probably dead in two weeks because what you got, some rare bone cancer. Right? Anybody ever Googled that? And, all, and I mean, like, you just tank. You went from my sciatica's a little upset to I'm probably dead. I better call the kids in. I mean, right? <laughs> But tell me WebMD is not powerful. Google is not powerful. Why? Because they tapped in. Humans are desperate for knowledge. Now watch this. He who controls the power controls the government. And now he who controls the knowledge controls the government. If you don't think this is happening now, why do you think we're fighting over? Well, Facebook censored me. Instagram got rid of my post. YouTube stopped this. Why? Because he who controls the knowledge is in charge. The world system knows. The one that's governing and controls the knowledge controls the shots. 
It's playing out in front of your face. It's playing out in front of you every day when you have a problem and you don't know what it is. And before you turn to the government and wisdom of God, you turn to Google, WebMD, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, TikTok. (laughs) Right? I should have done that over here with these. My daughter's like, don't, Dad, don't, Dad. I've been begging her all week, honey, teach me a TikTok. <laughs> I can't do it, but I try. <laughs> are, you, are you with me? Because I don't, I mean, I'm just going to let it soak for several weeks. But are we, are we all at least on this plane today? I don't know if I'm going to land at the right airport, but I just need to know, are you, are you on the plane? He who governs and calls the shots holds the power, and he who has the knowledge is the one that's in charge. And all God said was, the tree of the knowledge of what? Good and evil. In other words, God said, I don't want you to be in charge of what's right and wrong. Reginald, I love you. You're not in charge of what's right and wrong on my planet. I am. Okay, I love Jesus, but I still love this tree too. So I'm going to go ahead and say... That even though I love Jesus, it's still okay for me to live any way I want to live and be anything I want to be because I get to call all what's good and evil now. And now, would you not all agree that we're kind of in a generation that calls good evil and evil good? I mean, we're there. I hope you know we're there. Like, like what, what God calls evil, we call good. And then we make laws to prove how good it is. So this isn't just a vacation Bible school story. This is the core of everything. Who's in charge? Who calls the shots? And who has all the knowledge? Therefore, stay away from the tree that will give you knowledge because if you want to know what fruit is, fruit is I am the one that holds all the knowledge and I am the one who knows all the answers and I am the all in all and I am the one who has the final say-so and I'm the one who calls good good and evil evil and all I need you to do is get under my government and if you do anything you ask of me, I will do. That's what Jesus said. (laughs) I wonder now why I'm over here going, well, I'm asking and he's not doing anything. And he's like, because you're eating from the wrong tree. I'm not obligated to answer your prayer when you're in charge of all knowledge. I'm not obligated to answer all your prayers when you're calling all the shots telling me what to do. But if you come under my knowledge and my wisdom and my power, you can ask anything in my name and I will do it. Come on, that's good. (laughs) All right, I'm going to end here, and then we'll pick it up next week. Uh, Genesis 3. Everybody good? Genesis 3. I'm I'm, I'm telling you, I'm not even going to go there. It's it's still too late. I I I just want to let it breathe next week. Let's just keep reading here, all right? Verse 4. God said, don't touch it. Go back to verse 3, Derek. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm in Genesis 3 now. I'm sorry. I, I did. I want to go there, but I want to touch on this real quick. Verse 1. Genesis 3.1. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God has made. So I'm about to land the plane. 
One day he asked the woman, did God really say? And we'll, we'll buckle back up and buy a ticket and take this plane off to another destination next week. Here it is. The devil knows that if he can question who calls the shots and your lack of knowledge, he will be in charge. Because <laughs> what he's going to, I'll teach you this next week. What he's going to tempt her with is, aren't you kind of feeling bad you have a lack of knowledge? Wouldn't you like to be just like him? And she is. She's in his image. But the thing she's not just like is, she wants to call the shots. So the devil touches the fruit of God's kingdom in this one question. Did God really say? And I leave you with this thought this morning. That is fruitful. When Jesus says fruitful, he means this. I desire, this is Mark's translation, your heavenly Father desires that you would do what He says and you would trust His knowledge and not your own. And you would lean unto His saying and you would let Him mess your garden up if He wants to. And whatever God says is good is good and whatever He says evil is evil and He doesn't want your opinion. He wants your obedience. This is why the New Testament will call fruit some real dirty words. Obedience, commands. I don't like to be commanded. I like to be asked. I wish God would ask me what I think about my sin instead of commanding me. Right? So as we walk this out over the next several weeks, it may take four or five, I don't know. I just want to know when I land this plane today, you understand when we read the word fruit in the Bible... We are meaning who calls the shots, who's in charge, who has the knowledge, and whatever they say goes. Bow your head and close your eyes. I want to ask you this morning, are you flirting with the wrong tree? Do you love Jesus but you want to call the shots? Do you love Jesus but you like being in charge of you? Do you love Jesus, but you like your good to be his evil and vice versa? Do you love Jesus, but you really question commands? Ugh, they just, they just, they're painful. I mean, I don't mind some commands. They're more optional. So I just want to ask you, and this is my moment of decision for you. We have these communion uh, elements up here, and the way we end church, if you're here, the way we end our gathering is... And this is my belief scripturally that I've done my part, Michael, his team. We've sang, we've watered your heart, we've softened it through worship. Um, and then we threw seed out through the preaching and the reading. When Jody read the word, she was throwing seed. And when I spoke about it, I was throwing seed. And now that seed, according to the Bible, lands on your heart. And now it's up to you to determine what to do with it. Not up to me. I have my own life, but you, your life. I will say this to you. I didn't get there today, but if you simply choose His way in life, in a weird way, your life works out. 
He works all things together to your good. When you choose his tree over your own. So you know you better than anybody. You and God know you, your secrets, your thoughts, better than anybody. And I would just ask this question. Are you flirting with the wrong tree? Are you saying you love Jesus, but you still like being in charge of you? I love Jesus, but I'm in charge. I do kind of what I want to do, and then I just want him to love me back. Now, if that is you, it's simple. Heavenly Father, forgive me, for I've chosen the wrong tree. I chose my knowledge, my wisdom, my happiness, my joy, my contentment, my feelings over you. I run to you last, God. You're my last-ditch effort, not my first choice. You're the thing I come to last when I've exhausted everything else. It's a possibility. And so today, I just pray that I'll come to you first rather than last. I will put you into the place of being in charge. Now, here's the judgment over yourself. The Bible says if you judge you, you're not judged. So your judgment over you this morning is this. Do I or does God call the shots over my life? That's your judgment. Do I or does God? Who is calling the shots over my marriage? Who's calling the shots over the way I talk? Who's calling the shots over the way I think about my spouse? Who's calling the shots over my Instagram stories, my TikToks, my uh, snaps? Who's really in charge of all of this? Is it you in charge loving Jesus as a boyfriend or is it he in charge calling you to a higher place? Whatever the judgment is, that's how I want you to come and take communion. Would you stand with me this morning? Now, the typical church is we end with an altar call. Um, I'll, I'll take you through this in the weeks ahead because I don't really see that in the New Testament. But what I do see is changed lives. And a lot of times we, you know, will come to the altar. I, years ago, a guy said, if an altar call doesn't alter your call, it's not an altar call at all. Meaning sometimes we kind of come and kneel and tell God we're sorry, but when we walk out the door, we're still in charge. I just kind of want to make sure he's not mad at me. And what I want to tell you is God's not mad at you. Christ Jesus took all of the wrath of God on himself. What he's wanting for you is to walk out the doors in fruit. So the way we end is you have a moment. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. We come for those that call this place home. Our offering baskets are here. We do our giving here. We give our tithes and offerings during this time as an act of worship. But also as an act of worship and saying, Lord, I take it. We have communion elements. We have package for those that would prefer pre-packaged. And then we have the elements and our ushers will remove all the elements as you come. But Michael will just start singing some worship tunes. Our next service doesn't start until 11.15, so we've got about 30 minutes. You can kneel. Our elders are to my right and left. Our prayer teams, Robin and I will be up here. You can come for prayer. You can kneel. You can go back and sit in your chair and worship. You can kneel. You can walk. We just kind of give it time to let that seed now be watered by the Holy Spirit. 
So whatever that is for you, this is a moment to say, God, what do you want out of me? And as you take communion, if you need to pray, if you need prayer, you just want to worship along with Michael, feel free to do so. At the end of my prayer, as you come for communion, it can kind of conclude the service. You can slip out as you so desire. You can stay around as long as you choose if you so desire. Pray this after me, if you will. Heavenly Father, today I have learned fruitfulness is your government. And I've learned your government is you call the shots. I've also learned I love calling the shots. And I'm repenting today. And I'm asking for Jesus to forgive me of wanting to be in charge. I give all charge to the Lord Jesus Christ. I give all charge to the Holy Spirit. I give all charge to your word. Now govern my life. In Jesus' name, I call you Lord. I call you Savior. I call you Father. I call you friend. Come Holy Spirit. Have your way in my life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You may come for prayer and ministry and enjoy a time with the Holy Spirit. I love you and I bless you. Thank you so much for joining us on the Believer's Church podcast. If you would like more information about Believer's Church, you can visit mybelieverschurch.com. If there's anything that you need prayer for, please email us at amen at mybelieverschurch.com. Thanks again for listening, and we will see you next week for a brand new message. 